Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. We're going to try that one more time. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? As most of you know, I'm not a very formal person, but welcome to Cooper's Grove. Look at somebody near you and say, I'm super happy that you were here. Look at the other person that you missed out and say, I'm so glad to see you too. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Is anybody glad that fear is not your future? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We'll pray real quick and then we'll... We'll, we'll, we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for today. Jesus, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for the offering, Lord. Thank you for us. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, like Pastor Kelsey said, Father, I thank you that you never leave us. You're never leaving us, God. Lord, bless us today, Lord. We, we, we yield to you. We surrender to you, God. Every question that we've had, Lord, whether we've said it out loud or we've just kept it in our hearts, Lord, every question that we've had, Lord, I thank you that you are answering every question. You're resolving every, every thought, and you're calming every fear, God. Lord, the storms that have been brewing in the hearts of every individual in this room, I thank you that you are silencing every storm. Right now, in the name of Jesus, spiritually and mentally so, you are silencing every storm, God. Regardless of denomination, regardless of religion, regardless of tradition, regardless of all the different things that we build up, regardless of all the different boxes we put you in, Lord, I thank you this morning. You are, you are breaking every box. You are shattering every box. You are shattering every wall. You are tearing down every wall. You are kicking down every wall, God. So we can experience who you've always been. Lord, let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible this morning, we're going to we're going to open up in John chapter 14. Like we said earlier, today is our annual homecoming. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but also on the calendar, it falls today is Pentecost Sunday. Somebody say Pentecost Sunday. I remember last year we did a series called Pneumatology. I was so excited about it, the study of the Holy Spirit. And I was so, we pumped it up and all these different things. And we'll do a Holy Spirit series because we'll talk about the Holy Spirit next Sunday or whatever. But I was thinking, I was like, all right, it's, it's about that time. My, my, uh, about that time? I'm sorry, the kid's bop stuck in my head. But uh, I remember um, my, my phone was reminding me, like, all right, it's Pneumatology. You know, if anybody has Facebook, you know, your memory's popping, da 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 and, it showed the pneumatology thing, and instantly I thought, I was like, man, we got to change the name of the series to something that everybody could pronounce. So somebody say Holy Spirit series. So today is the day of Pentecost Sunday. It's also our homecoming. It's also our oldest son's birthday. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He is, he is seven, seven, uh, seven adventurous years. We'll say that, seven adventure. Seven going on 27, going on 44. What are you talking about? Hallelujah. But I want, I want to give you, we're going to start with this idea and we'll, everything that we'll talk about just kind of flow out of it. But the day of Pentecost isn't it just about tongue talking. It's not just about the tons of fire. It's not just about all the different stories that we know. But the day of Pentecost was Jesus fulfilling his promise that he would never leave you nor forsake you. Ultimately, that's what it was about. That was his way of fulfilling his promise. You ever, you ever made a promise to somebody and, you know, you had to make good on it? 
You know, Jesus, he made this promise as he's ascending to, as he's ascending back into heaven. He says, I will be with you even to the ends of the earth. And so, therefore, he made good on that promise by sending his spirit. Now, his spirit, it isn't, you know, it isn't a, a, a side spirit. It isn't like, you know, you got God and you got Jesus and then you got little Holy Spirit over here, you know, just, you know, over in the winds. It's not like our three boys where you got Kellen, who's very independent, Keenan, who's, Keenan is, you know, his own wild card, and then you got Cohen, who does whatever he sees. You know, the Holy Spirit isn't like that, where he's just like, ah, oh, you know, whatever's left, I'll do it. No, Jesus sent his exact spirit called the Holy Spirit, amen? And that's what the day of Pentecost is about. <clears throat> that's what the day of Pentecost is about. I don't know if, I'm not big on politics, but, you know, I, I definitely try to stay, uh, try, try to go the opposite of the political side, but I don't know if anybody in here saw the State of the Union address when it was given, but there was something that was different about the State of the Union, and that was just because the White House, uh, the, for the first time ever in history, they acknowledged a, a, an outgrowing uh, epidemic, and I'm just going to quote what they said, but in our country, in our country, it faces an unprecedented mental health crisis among people of all ages. Somebody say all ages. So according to the reports, they said two out of five adults report symptoms of anxiety or depression. And black and brown communities are disproportionately under, undertreated even as their burden of mental illness has continued to rise. Even before the pandemic, rates of depression and anxiety were inching higher. But the grief, trauma, and physical isolation of the last two years have driven Americans to a breaking point. You know, they said even youth before co uh, from covid uh, from all the COVID and disruptions in routines and relationships have led to increased social isolation, anxiety, and learning loss. More than half of parents expressed concern over their children's mental well-being. This is what they said. They also said an early study has found that students are about five months behind in math and four months behind in reading. Compared with students prior to the pandemic, in 2019, one in three high school students and half of female students reported persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. An overall increase of 40% from 2009, uh, emergency department visits from attempted suicide have risen 51% among adolescent girls. That has also shown that there's been another rise, and that is gun violence, unfortunately. From homicide, suicide, and mass shootings are on an upward trajectory in the U.S. In 2019, it was reported a little over 33,000 gun deaths. And then, 20, and then by the end of 2022, in 2019, excuse me, it was a little over 33,000 uh, gun deaths. And then at the end of 2022, it, it was a 31% increase to 44,000, a little over 44,000. And the reason I say this is not because I want to address anything political, because I am the opposite of political. You can ask my wife. You can ask anybody that's close to me. I definitely try to stay uh, weary of the politics. But I think for the first time in my life, I, speaking for me, I know for the first time in my life where literally when I go into a store instantly, I'm, I'm, having, I'm praying just in my mind. I'm like, Lord, please don't, please don't let one of those incidents happen here. And I, you know, I've I've been I've talked to people before, and they're like, "Well, Lindsay, this is Letson. It don't happen in Letson." And and at the and unfortunately, we live in a world where no place is without exception. No place is without exception. And I find the times where the times where I do take get to take Kellen to school if I'm not working, or if Kelsey's taking Kellen to school, and now where we're going to be taking both of the boys to bid school, we're praying, Lord, let our kids be safe. Let our boys be safe, not just our boys, but Lord, I thank you that every student, every teacher, every faculty worker, I mean, we, we praying all over Kwood, and we, and, but now we're at the time where we're like, we're having to pray these things. 
And now we're at the time where we're having when we're at the gas pump praying that, you know, Lord, let this be a safe transaction. And I know we don't like to talk about this because it's a sobering reality. Amen. It is a very sobering reality. The report said that there was two out of five adults that report symptoms, but it only said there was two out of five that reported. Didn't mean that it said that there was only two out of five that go through it because I believe that every individual, even in this room, but every, every person, you know, either is going through or has at some point dealt with a mental battle. Amen. At some point, we've all dealt with trauma. At some point, we've all dealt with anxiety. At some point, we've all dealt with depression. Sometimes, at some point, we've all dealt. Let me, let me, can I, can I walk down your street? We've all dealt with regret. Anybody ever dealt with regret before? Oh, there we go. I'm knocking on somebody's door. We've all dealt with regret. At some point in your life, we've all dealt with these things. And if we're not careful, a lot of times what, the, what life loves to do, it, you know, when all those things come to a head, it almost feels like the waters are rising above us. It almost feels like the water's rising above it to the point you cannot see, you can't think, you can't speak, you can't, you can't, you can't even see. You, you don't know, you don't have any sense of clarity, amen? And listen, if you're like me, a lot of times it's, it sneaks through, it sneaks through the, the innocence of life. It sneaks through the daily habits of life. It sneaks through, you know, it, it sneaks through the, the, you know, maybe a bad, not, bad diagnosis from the doctor. Or sometimes it can, that, that feeling of anxiety or feeling of trauma or feeling of drama or feeling like the waters are over your head. It can sneak through the, you know, lack of finances. It can sneak through the weariness of living from check to check. It can sneak through the weariness of loss of loved ones. It can sneak through the pulse of our country. It can sneak through the culture. It can sneak through anything and everything that's going on in our daily life. But listen, one thing that is common for every person on the world, one thing that is common for every person on the world is when the waters are rising above your head, you feel like you are the only one. That's what the devil loves to do. He loves to get you on an island all by yourself. All by his, listen, the boys were playing one time. They were playing tablet, and they had been they had been together all day. And Kellen, bless his heart, Kellen is like me. One time, at one point, I heard him tell Kenny, "Kenny, I just need some alone time." And he goes off. I'm like, "Boy, you six years old. You don't need no alone time. Like I need alone time. I'm I got bills. To, I need alone time. I got to work. You know, you don't, Kellen, you don't punch a clock. Okay, you don't drop packages off people's door. You don't run from dogs, Kellen. I need alone time." He, you know, so then, of course, we made him get back in with his brother. But, you know, the devil loves to make us feel like we are all by ourselves. He loves to make you feel like you are all by yourself. Amen. But watch what, watch what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 1. If you've been here before, we've read it, but I love it. I, want, I, I pray that you memorize this verse. But John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus says this, don't worry or surrender to your fear. So we go home off that. That's enough. But we ain't going home off that. Don't worry or surrender to your fear, for you believed in God. Now trust and believe in me also. Jesus tells that to the disciples, and he tells that to any person that's reading that. So guess what? He's talking to you. Somebody say he's talking to me. Jesus is telling, if you don't get anything today, please, please remember this. Don't worry or surrender to your fear. I like that phrase, surrender. See, see, it may, it may sound foreign to you, but growing up, we, we know this translation as do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let, oh, I'm talking to somebody this morning. Don't let your heart be troubled. Now, now you're picking up with me. Now we're trucking. Jesus says, don't surrender to fear. I, I love that phrase, don't surrender to fear, because see, surrender means that it's a choice. Oh, so all the things that you're fearful of, all the things that you're anxious of, all the things that you regret, it's a choice. You can choose to camp out there or you can say, hey, this is what happened. We're going to move on from it. 
Last night, we was trying to work on a project, and I kept trying and kept trying, and it wasn't working, it wasn't working. And as I'm driving home, I'm like, listen, I can beat myself up, or I can just move on from it. You can beat yourself up, or you can move on from it. You can, you can camp out in the weariness. You can camp out in the anxiety. You can camp out in the fearfulness. Lindsay, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't, but the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit does. And according to, and guess what? Because Jesus sits at the finish circle, because Jesus sits at the right hand of God in the finished position, your future is not your fear unless you choose for it to be. Unless you choose for it to be, amen? Somebody say, fear is not my future. But I love that because we said the, old, the King James translation is, let your heart not be troubled. Fear, watch this, fear is what kept the first generation of freed Israelites out of the promised land. Do you know that? It was fear. It wasn't, it wasn't some big monster. It wasn't some big gate. It wasn't, some, it wasn't all the, it was fear. When Moses said, hey, hey, go look and see if we can take it. That was the first mistake. See if you can take it. There was a God that split the waters. Listen, this, this is why I couldn't, be, I couldn't be back there by then. First off, I need indoor plumbing. We've talked about that before. I had to have indoor plumbing. I had to have electricity, so I couldn't live. But if I did, if I, if I seen the waters split, let's just, let's just marinate on this for If you seen the waters split and dry ground, the fish still swimming, as the waters still split, I'm like, oh, oh, I'm rolling with who did that. I'm rolling with do that. And it comes time to take over Jericho. They're like, can, do you think we can take it? Bro, we just walked on dry ground. We just watched fire fall down. Yeah. We're, literally, they would follow fire at night. A pillar of fire at night. Not a little matchstick. A pillar of fire. And you're, and you're worried and wondering if you can take this city. See, fear loves to isolate. Fear loves to get you in the, in the, in the darkest corner and make you feel like, hey, even, even though God has did all these different things, still what you got going on, it's bigger than what he's done before. It's more than what he can handle. Amen? Amen. See, fear is what kept them out of the promised land. See, fear, watch this, fear will influence you to trust, you, or trust yourself or others or things instead of Yahweh. Fear will influence you to trust yourself or others or things instead of Yahweh. Listen, there's nothing wrong with trusting your best friend, nothing wrong with trusting your parents, nothing wrong with trusting family, nothing wrong with trusting all these different legitimate things, but at the end of the day, there's nobody that sits in Yahweh's seat. I posted yesterday, I said, it's not your way, it's Yahweh. I don't know if you knew that, but he did, when he was describing himself, he didn't say, call me your way. He said, call me Yahweh. But see, fear loves to get us going down your way, Ali. Your way street. Hey, we got these different things to do. Okay, well, what, what does your way say about it? No, what, what does Yahweh say about it? Okay, they're saying this about me. What, what, what does Yahweh say about you? What, what, what's Yahweh? You ever thought, what's Yahweh's opinion about you? It's different than your fears. Spoiler alert. It's different than your anxiety. It's the opposite. I remember when we was youth pastors, the Lord gave me this revelation. I would preach it all the time and tell it all the time and quote it all the time. But the opposite of your fears, that's what's true. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. The opposite of your insecurities, the opposite of your bitterness and your regret, that's what's true. And you know who's sitting on the, on the side of that? Jesus. Jesus is sitting on the other side of that. Amen? But I love it because Jesus said, do not worry or surrender to your fear. Fear will influence you to trust yourself or others or things in place of Yahweh. Watch this. Fear does not produce growth. Fear doesn't produce growth. 
See, if the farmer, if he was fearful, he would never plant a seed. See, I, I, this, this current route that I'm on, I have this one farmer. He's got a huge garden. I love him. We love, you know, he's towards the end of my route, so I'm already tired. I'm just, I'm barely trucking. I'm just like, man, I'm just ready to go home. And he knows it, so therefore he'll like, he'll come up and be like, hey, man, how's it going? We'll just sit and chat for a minute. And he's talking, and we're, we're just shooting the breeze. And he's talking, and, you know, uh, I think it was two weeks ago when it was, when it was storming pretty bad. I said, hey, how, how, you know, how did your garden turn out? He said, oh, we still planting. We still trucking. I said, Oh, I mean, you, you, you know, it was didn't didn't it flood? How, how was the crop? How all these different things? He said, "Yeah, it rained, but we we prepared for it, and what we lost, we just replant." I'm like, of course, you know me. That stuck me. I was like, "Ooh!" So I had that second wind in the truck. I was like, "Shalabala!" What we lost, we just replant. See, if the farmer was fearful of the elements, stick with the allegory. If the farmer was fearful of the elements, then he would never replant. So therefore, he knows that, listen, he knows that life is going to happen. He knows that things are going to flood out. He knows that unideal situations are going to happen. And still, you know what? All these things are going to happen. Let's prepare for it anyway. And what we lose, we replant. Life will happen. People will come and people will go. People will talk about you. People will cheer you up and people will shout you down. At the end of the day, are you prepared for it? Replant what you've lost. Replant what you've lost. Are you losing? Are you, are you struggling with hope? Replant it. Lindsay, how do I replant it? Okay, then you get into Jesus. You get into, you remind yourself that, okay, fear is not my future. You are. I love the line in the song where it said, heartbreak is not my story. Heartbreak. Anybody ever had some heartbreaks before? See, the heartbreaks, that, that's, sometimes it's harder to get over because your heart is broken, as my boys say. Your heart is broken. Daddy, what does it mean your heart's broken? Does it mean your heart comes into two pieces? I mean, it's a nobody, but it feels like that. It feels like it's in a thousand pieces. And, of course, they're like, oh, what? What? I'm like, and I told him, I said, you know when we tell you you can't get on the Internet? Yeah, our hearts are broken like that. I said, it feels like that. Oh, man, you know. <laughs> Got to love kids. Their heartbreak is nothing near our heartbreak. But at the same time, they still express the same type of emotion. Amen? But listen to this. Fear does not produce growth. Fear grabs growth by the neck and squeezes. So if you're not seeing growth, then what, then what fears have you surrendered your heart and mind to? Mm. If you're not seeing growth in your, in your life, what fears have you surrendered your heart and mind to? Church, if we're not seeing growth in the church, what fears have we surrendered our? And, and it's never a big alarming flashing sign that says, this is fear. It likes to come into the in the it likes to come in the package of this this is what we've always done. Ooh. This is what we've always known. Mamas did it this way. They they've always done the no, we we only did this. We've only done it like this. The nation of Israel, we've only we've only we've only uh, gone around this circle this many times, but you're asking us to go a different direction. Mm-mm. What happens when you go the other direction? What happens when you're being led by the Holy Spirit? What happens when you're not surrendered by fear? What, what, what does your Mondays look like when you're not surrendering your heart to fear? What, what, is, what does your summers look like when you're not surrendering your heart to fear? What is, what is your Christmases? What is your years? What is the rest of your life? What does your facial expressions look like when you're not surrendering your life to fear? What is, how, how, how can you parent when you're not surrendering your life to fear? 
What does it look like when you're on the job and you're not surrendering your life to fear? What is, what, what is I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. Jesus said, do not surrender your life to worry or fear. Amen. Don't surrender your heart to worry or fear. Verse 16 and 17 in that same, in John chapter 14. <clears throat> and I will ask the Father and he will give you another Savior. Who's this other Savior he's talking about? The Holy Spirit of truth. Who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside of you. Amen? Because we know him intimately. I love the fact that Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as another Savior. So therefore, the Holy Spirit is not the spirit that has less power. The Holy Spirit is a, you know, a, a, a derivative of God. No, the Holy Spirit is equal with the Godhead. And Jesus said, hey, guess what? I'm leaving, but I'm sending you somebody else. I'm, I'm, he wasn't like, you know, if Jesus didn't feel like the Holy Spirit was enough, he never would have left. But if you ever, you know, uh, when, whenever I leave the boys with granny or we leave the boys with, you know, mom or dad, you know, it's not like, it's not, I'm not telling Ken, all right, now stay with Nana G, Daddy, now just make it. Hold your teeth and grit, son. Because one, one day I'll be back and now I'll be good. No, in fact, in fact, any parent know, a lot of times when we leave them, especially when we leave Cole, we're sneaking out the door. But a lot of times when we leave them, all right, boys, bye, we'll be back. Why? Because we have this trust and confidence that who you are left with is more than enough. So when Jesus said, I'm going, but I'm leaving you somebody that is more than enough. Somebody say more than enough. But fear loves to confuse us and make us feel like we don't have enough. Fear loves to make us feel like, if I just had this, if I just won the lotto, get that 30 mil, I pay my tithe, I pay mom and daddy off. We all got that list. I I love going down that list. Listen, I have to drive for a living, so I have to use my imagination to keep work fun sometimes. And I love going down that list. Lord, Lord, if I just got 60 mil, Jesus, you know. You know, I pay my tithe. We're going to fix this, going to fix that, Jesus. We all love doing that. But here's the problem. Sometimes we bank on that. And when it's not happening, we consider our life a loss. When we're not winning according to the culture, we consider our life a loss. But Jesus said, I'm leaving you in the hands of another Savior. Another Savior. I love that. In verse 18, it says this. Jesus says, I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. I will come back. Amen. I love that because he promises that he will never leave you or forsake you. He will never leave you or forsake you. One of the, you know, the, the, the author of the Passion Translation, he says it best this way. But when he says that Jesus is prophesying about the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, who will indwell every believer. When he said, when Jesus says that I will never leave you or forsake you, I am coming back. One of the, the, one of the instances that he refers to himself as coming back is in the form of the Holy Spirit coming to man. Watch this in Acts chapter 2 because it is the day of Pentecost. We, we have to look there. You can't, you know, it's like you can't go to Sands without trying a free sample. In Acts chapter 2, if you don't do that, I encourage you to change your life. But Acts chapter 2 verse 1, on the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tons of fire that engulfed each one of them. 
They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. Can you go back to verse 3 real quick? I love this because it says, then all, then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. A pillar of fire. Symbolic of so many things, but symbolic of how the nation of Israel, how they were being led by God, by a pillar of fire. But I love this because this translation, it says that literally the, it's, it appeared before their eyes and it's separated into tons of fire that, en, that engulfed. One translation says that it rested upon them. Sound familiar? Spirit of God, come do it again. Come rest on. See, we set you up in the worship. Y'all are like, man, what are we singing? This is good. I like it. But what are we singing? We set you up. But literally, we were singing, come rest on us. How, Lord, so when you sung that, spoiler alert, you're saying, Lord, rest on me the same way you rested on them. Ooh, rest on me in fullness of power. Rest on me in fullness of hope. Rest on me in fullness of patience. Rest on me. Rest upon me. See, I, I, our, our youngest, I don't know where he got it from. Maybe he got it from his mom's house. I don't know because I'm not like this. But our youngest, he loves when they all get together. The baby loves to go to Kiki first, and he will literally put all of his body weight on Kenan and rest upon him. And he will laugh, and he will enjoy it. And if Kenan moves, he gets upset because he has found his new chair. But he's placing all of his little body weight, all his little belly, all upon his brother. He is resting. And normally, you know, it's, 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 it's an everyday thing. But last night as they're doing it, I'm looking at him and I'm like, okay, Lord, I see that. He's, he's, he's resting upon his brother. He's placing all of himself upon him. So, so let's look at this for a minute. So when we're saying, come rest upon us, Jesus, all that you are rested upon me. And listen, God is such a careful father to the point that what you can't handle He's patient to wait until the space is provided, until there's enough space, and then more and more from glory to glory to glory to glory. See, the farmer knows the, the right type of crop, but we've talked about this before in the fall, but I love that, you know, when a farmer, before he plants the seeds, he's got he's to till the ground, he's got to burn the fields. Now, we won't go into it too much, but I love the fact that a farmer has to burn the fields. Why does he have to burn the fields? He has to burn off what was previously in the ground. He has to burn off all the different, uh, uh, you know, all the different infections or bacterias or even the worms that will eat of the produce. He has to burn all that off. It's not comfortable for the ground. It's not comfortable. You ever been on fire before? It's not comfortable. You ever touched a hot stove? Nobody, I don't, as far as I know, nobody's ever touched a hot stove be like, oh, that feels so great. I remember when I was a kid and I touched an iron, I did not say, whoo, that feels so great. I said something else. It's like, whoa, mama, ah, mama. And of course, mama being all compassionate, didn't I tell you not to do that? I told you not to do that, but you thought, oh, I'm going to touch it. And then she soothed it up and all that stuff. But you know, burning is never comfortable. Sometimes, a lot of times, when, when, the, when the Lord is resting upon us, when he's trying to do what he wants to do in our hearts, the very things that you need done in your heart, it's not comfortable. In fact, a lot of times we pray the opposite. Oh, we, we see it as, oh, this is, this, is, this is the work of the devil. Or, oh, this is life getting me. Lord, you know, free me from this. Free me from this body of death. When the Lord's like, hey, no, no, I'm trying to create space. See, if you've ever cleaned your house before, in order to clean it, you've got you to gotta go through all the clutter. 
You got to pull everything out, put it in a pile, organize what's good, organize what's bad, organize what needs to go to storage, organize what needs to be thrown away or gone to Goodwill. You have to pull everything out. And once you pull everything out, it doesn't look like you're cleaning. A lot of times what God is doing in your life, it doesn't look like he's doing something, but he is. A lot of times what God is trying to do in your heart, a lot of times what he's trying to free you from, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it. But can I be honest, you aren't supposed to be going off your feelings. You aren't supposed to be going off your feelings. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by feelings. See, if we, if, if we were to walk by feelings, then I would catch the spirit every time I drink some cup of coffee. I would catch the spirit every time I eat a piece of red velvet cake. I would catch the spirit every time I eat a Hershey bar. Depending on how long the work day was, the cup of coffee, sometimes it takes me there. But if we were to go by our feelings, you would be in trouble. If you were to live your life based off of feelings, you would be in trouble. Watch this. How much of our life have we been going off of feelings? Well, this don't feel right, so let me, so let me go my way and, and adjust it. Instead of saying, okay, Lord, this doesn't feel right, but what, what, what does Yahweh say about this? What does Yahweh say about this? And I love that because let me encourage you, once again, don't surrender to your fears. Don't surrender to your fears when things are uncomfortable, amen? Don't surrender to your fears when things are uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, But in verse 4 of Acts chapter, Acts chapter 2, they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is meant to equip you as well. It's not only is God's promise that he will never leave you or forsake you, but also it's a equipping. So, so why, why do we need equipping? Because there are areas in your life, whether you want to agree with it or not, there are areas in your life that you are not proficient at. You know, I, I got a couple. I got a couple good things. I was talking to a friend the other day, and she was, you know, we was talking about, you know, starting businesses and da da da. I told her, I said, I've always wanted to start one, but I just, I, I, I'm so scatterbrained. I have so many different interests that I like. I can't nail down one single thing to try. And she's like, you know, we're going through all that. But I love it because ultimately, when you're being equipped, in order to be equipped, there has you, you, you must lack uh, areas of proficiency. And I'll say, I, I don't feel like I'm proficient in one area. There's, there's a couple things I'm pretty good at. And then there's a lot of things I'm like, ah, you know, don't, you know, don't lean on me for that one. You know, let's YouTube it or let's Google it or let's Siri it. But the fact that the Lord is equipping you means that he knows, watch this, he knows that you're not proficient in errors and he's okay with it. See, the world loves to teach us that, okay, if you don't know this, you better cower in fear because you should know this. How, how can you be this old and not know this? How can you be over here and not experience it? When the, devil, when the Lord's like, no, 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 I, I, know you're not, I know you're not proficient in it. But it's okay because I'm providing the very thing that could equip you to be proficient in it. And see, a lot of times we like, to, we like to go off in space and think that it's something far away. A lot of times it's just being a, the right type of parent. Or better yet, oh, I'm going to hit you hard. A lot of times it's just about being the right type of neighbor. A lot of times it's just about, hey, hey how, how in touch are you with the person that lives beside you? How, how, how much do you pray for the person that you cannot stand on the job? Not praying that they don't show up that day. That way it's a great day at work. How, how, how much are you praying for that one family member that you hope does not show up at the reunion or hope that does not show up on the holiday meal? How much are you praying for their betterment instead of praying for their abandonment? 
See, the Holy Spirit equips us to have that type of mindset. Well, Lindsay, I, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't have that type of mindset. Exactly, and that's why we have the Holy Spirit. He equips you. He makes space in your heart. He makes space in your mind. He makes space where there needs to be space. And then he inserts his image and likeness, which is the image and likeness of Jesus. And as that happens, we go from glory to glory. Because eventually what's going to happen as life happens, your response is going to be different. And somebody's going to be like, man, how come you didn't cuss them out? And you're going to be like, bro, I don't, I don't even know. It's just, I, I just didn't feel like doing it. And you're going to get back in the car. You're like, Jesus, was that you? Yeah. Yeah. Something's going to happen. And, man, how come you didn't fight them? How come you didn't tally back? How come you didn't? I don't, I don't even know. I remember I had, a, I had something happen Friday. And, and I, I can remember if, when this would have happened, there was a time in my life when it would have happened, I would have been, woo, hot. But I remember walking back in, and I, I, I'm not bragging because this was the Holy Spirit. I kept a calm tone. When I got back in the forerunner, I was like, Lord, I know that had to be you. I know that had to be you. A calm tone? Jesus, really? Got accused of something one time, and I was like, I, I remained calm the whole time. And once it was finally over, I'm like, Lord, thank you for being with me. Because in that moment, fear was surrounding. And see, fear, is, fear has the appearance of appearing real. Has the appearance of being real. I remember we used to say that false of it, what false evidence appearing real, appearing real. But fear loves to appear. It loves to make us feel like everything that we are stressed about, everything we're worried about, everything that we're anxious about, that those are the mountains that we can never climb. Those are the mountains that we can never climb. But for real, Jesus said, do not worry or surrender to your fear. And I love that because it was, in, it was on purpose, the fact that he said that right before he teaches them about how the Holy Spirit will come in his absence. Because, see, and because they could see Jesus. They couldn't see the Holy Spirit. They, they, they could see him walk on water. They could see him calm the seas. But they couldn't, they couldn't see the Holy Spirit. It's easy to trust what we see, but it's, it's, it's not so easy to trust what we can't see. And Jesus said that there is a blessing that comes upon those that can have faith even when they can't see it. Amen. So listen, if you're like, you know, I, Lord, I just, I, I just need this. I just need that. Lord, I just need you to intervene in my life. Okay, then believe even when you can't see it. Believe even when you can't see it. Amen. Amen. Believe even when you can't see it. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a, another Savior. Another Savior. Another Savior. Here, let me close with this. But well, we read it earlier when we said John chapter 14, verse 1, do not worry or surrender your hearts to fear. Imagine what would happen to you once you started living life not surrendering to fear. You know, uh, Last week, I, it was requested for us to sing that song, Fear Is Not My Future. Now, I remember when I got the request, I was like, oh, oh. Listen, if y'all don't know me, I, what you see is what you get. I'm not like this and there's something different. No, what you see is the same way I'm in the car. Miranda's shaking her head like, yeah. <laughs> Just because it doesn't benefit me, it doesn't benefit my relationship with God for God to have two sides of me. It doesn't benefit your relationship with God, your fellowship with God, if there's two sides of you. If you're different in this house than you are in the car, there's a problem. If the only time that we're thinking about God is Sunday morning, then there's a problem. You know, you think about most marriages. Most marriages don't work if, if the individuals only communicate through texts. 
I remember one time we was laying in bed one night watching something, and uh, Kelsey was doing some, something on her phone, and she was watching, and I didn't want to interrupt, so I saw someone online that was funny, so I texted it to her. <laughs> I remember she paused the TV. She said, did you just text me? I said, yeah, but I didn't want to interrupt. We're in the same room, and you text me. In the same bed, you text me. I'm like, I didn't want to interrupt. The show seemed good. But what I'm doing, you know. A lot of times we do that with God. We, we, we think that he's far off when he's like, no, I've been with you the whole time. We said it earlier that the Holy Spirit, day of Pentecost, it was, the, it was Jesus making good on his promise that he would never leave you nor forsake you. Never leave you or forsake you. But for some reason, we allow our fears to paint this picture that he is far off. I've said it before, but he's not far off. In fact, he is the lion that is in front of you. He's the lion that's behind you. He's the lion on the right of you. He's the lion on the left of you. He is the lion that surrounds you at all times. He is the great defender. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the bright and morning star. He is the first and last. He is the sustainer of all things. He is the upholder of your life. He is the one that tends to the sheep. He is the one that will forsake the 99 to go after you no matter how far you go. He is the one that can close the mouth of every lion in the midst of your den, of everything that's trying to devour you. He is the one that can lead you in the day and lead you in the night. He is. He is the alpha and Omega. He is the boss. He is the one that the bosses have to call boss. He is the creator of all things. Hebrews chapter 1 says that he is the exact image of, of God. So when you see Jesus, you see the Father. He is the one. I love this. We have this picture out in the lobby. I encourage you to look at it, take a, take a picture of it, and put it on your phone. And I love speaking on this story. I know everybody that goes here gets tired of it, but I don't. Guess what? I love it. And Luke 15, the prodigal son story, it's not about the prodigal son. It's about the heart of the father. And the father is, I love it because if you really go into it, he's the one standing at the edge of the road, waiting for the, he knew the son was going to come back. He wasn't like us knowing that, okay, if the son's going to come back, man, I told you. Our boys do something after we told him to stop running, told him to stop running, Kellen broke his arm after we told him to stop running, stop running. I didn't get upset. Later on, after he stopped crying, I'm like, hey, buddy, you know how this happened, don't you? I didn't listen to you. Yep. Just making sure we're clear with that. God isn't like that. God is like the father in Luke chapter 15, standing at the edge of the road, hopelessly waiting for his son to return, hopelessly waiting for you to not surrender to your fear, hopelessly waiting for you to be like, okay, I know what my fear says, but where is my papa? Where is my Abba? What, what does the Bible say? What is the truth of God about my life? How does God feel? If God says that I'm the apple of his eye, there must be something in me that is worth something, worth more than what the culture says, worth more than what my bank account says, worth more than what the doctor says worth more than every rumor or accusation or every joke or every lie worth more if, if heaven says it there's this British pastor I've said it before but there's this British pastor he tells this long story about how how you know just imagine just everybody say just imagine it's okay to use your imagination but I love this because this British pastor, he said, just imagine the, the thief that was on the cross and literally when he said hey 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 Jesus you don't deserve this but we do Will you forgive me? And Jesus didn't say, make sure you join, make sure you sign up for a new membership class. Make, maybe, make sure you get a brand new Bible. Hey, they got a new mirror translation. It's nice. Make sure you get it. 
He said, no, he said, from this day forward, you will be in paradise with me. And the, and the British pastor, he begins to use his imagination. And he says, imagine when that man gets up to heaven. He gets up to the gates and whoever's at the gates, they're like, you know, what's your name? And not saying this is accurate, please, it's not. But when he gets up to the gates and they're like, hey, what's your name? And he tells them and they're flipping through the pages. You ever been, in a, you, ever been you know, somewhere and they got to call the manager. They're flipping through the pages and call over other angels. And what, 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 what are you doing here? And the thief said, the man on the cross said I could come. You know what happens? Everything prior to the cross is none effect. See, your fear loves to make you feel like everything prior to the cross still has a voice. But guess what? It doesn't. What the cross said is the final word. What he put to death in your life, it's dead. Stop bringing it back up. Everything that you regret, leave it. Everything that you worry about, leave it. Everything that you're ashamed about, leave it. He doesn't consider it when he looks at you. The things that you're guilty about, he does not consider it. It does not bother him. It does not sway him. It does not provoke him. In fact, he is the father that sees all those things and engraces and engulfs you. Engulfs and rests upon you with all that he has. What the Bible says is perfect love. So you got, I don't know if you knew, you got perfect love resting upon you. Perfect love getting in the car with you. Perfect love going to that job that you might like with you. Perfect love paying the bills with you. Perfect love sitting at the dinner table or sitting at the, on the couch watching basketball. You got perfect love surrounding you. So why fear? So why surrender your heart to fear? Why? Why, 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 why when you got that? Listen, this day is symbolic of, yes, it is homecoming, but I want you to get this. This day is symbolic of that. You know what? God promised, God made a promise to me. Not just God, Papa made a promise to me that he would never leave me or forsake me. See, my, my kids, when they get older, I don't know what they're going to call me, but I'm still going to make them call me something that's close to it. But right now they call me daddy. They don't call me dad. They don't call me father. They, they, uh, the middle one's calling me dude. I don't like that right now calling everybody dude dude da, 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 dude i'm like dude who's this dude i'm your daddy put some respect on it but they call me daddy it's a sign of endearment it's it's when they say daddy it's 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 almost like they're stretched out with all arms just daddy i pray that you get to the point that you can see god as abba like the bible says and for me i like to call him papa why because it's it's that's the way my heart feels about him like papa not just God, not just somebody that's far off in the distance, but somebody that is surrounding me at all times. Somebody that is resting upon me at all times. And guess what? As he rests upon you, doesn't mean that life is going to be perfect. Doesn't mean it's always going to be sunny. Doesn't mean that you can eat whatever you want and not gain weight. What it really means is that whatever you go through, he's going through it. Or I, I like this better. Whatever you're going through, it first has to go through him. There is a reason that the, that the Hebrew boys didn't burn in the, fire, in the furnace. Why? Because the flames had to pierce him. And guess what? You can't pierce him unless he surrenders to it. And last time I checked, he's already surrendered at the cross. All that he's had to surrender has been taken care of. And now we get to go with him. We get to go with him and he gets to go with us. 
we get to go with him and he gets to go with us. Your relationship with the father looks like the same way my middle son used to do me when we lived in Florida. He would literally wrap his, when I would get home, he would wrap his whole body around my leg. And he'd say, daddy, come see what I built. And I fully believe that when we became parents, it was like my understanding of the father just shifted. And when I held Kellen seven years ago today, I cried and I said, he keeps on blessing me. And I'm like, Phew. And I remember, I remember in my heart saying, Lord, is this 2% of what you feel like? Because I would dare never be arrogant and say, Lord, is this what it feels like to be you? Because you can't understand the Father. But I'm like, Lord, is this at least 2% of what, of what you experience with us? But Keenan would wrap his arms and the whole body around my leg and say, Daddy, come see what I built in my room. And we, I'd hobble over there and Kelsey would be like, no, let go. No, 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 let go. So everything that he was had going on, because he had wrapped himself around his father, he brought his father into his world. But watch this, y'all, because I and me, when I would get off work, I, come, I came home hungry. And I'd be like, all right, well, daddy wants a snack. And he's still wrapped around my leg. So guess what? Daddy goes to the kitchen. And because I'm getting a snack, he's there seeing me get a snack. I give him a snack. So watch this. Everything that he had going in his world, he brought his father with him into it. And everything his father was doing, he brought him into it. That's what your relationship should be like. Everything you got going on, bring Papa into it. But then also let him bring you into everything that he's doing. And watch, and watch your life change. Watch the way you perceive things. Watch the way you respond to people change. The way you respond to fear, the way you respond to anger, the way you respond to anxiety or trauma or bitterness or confusion. Watch how those things change. Not because of some magic potion, but because you have your arms wrapped, about, wrapped around Father. And everything you're doing, he, you're bringing him into it, but also everything he's doing, he's bringing you along for the ride. Along for the ride. See, this Christian walk is never meant to be up and down. It's just meant to be a consistent ride consistent ride say well we'll get up and travel tomorrow and you know on the straightaways the boys hate it they hate it when it's just straight road just uh, are we there yet at least when we get up to the mountains it gives them a little bit of excitement when we're traveling old jackson road i won't i won't go into too much details but there's one hill that gives killing some excitement him and kid they love it just whoa but when we get to the flat pieces just uh and a lot of times we love the excitement in God. We love it when we get to run for the Lord. I mean, we sing songs about it, but nobody sings songs about waiting for Jesus. Nobody, nobody sings it with a smile. Oh, Lord, I'm waiting for you. You know, I remember as a kid, we used to sing the song, waiting on you. But we never smiled when we sang it. But I encourage you, wait upon the Lord with joy and expectation and hope. Don't wait on the Lord thinking that, you know, okay, Lord, I'm going to wait. And, and hope this is going to work. Wait on the Lord and know, know, okay. The reason I'm waiting is because you're working. You're working and I'm waiting for when you say, okay, it's time to come in. You know, when we go to a restaurant, we never go, we're, we're comfortable with waiting to a certain extent. We never go to the back end and help them cook the order because we trust and know that that's their job. There's some things that you got to take your foot off of and say, okay, Lord, this is your job. This is, this, this is your role. This is what you do best. I'm just going to wait and receive. And, when it's, and, and as you're waiting, when fear rises up, like we are saying earlier, it's not your future. 
You get to choose if fear is going to be your future. You get to choose if heartbreak is going to be your home. Not You don't get to choose if heartbreak happens or not because heartbreak will happen. You get to choose that if you get to make heartbreak your home. You get to choose if you're going to stay in that position. Or you're going to say that happened, but we're going to move on. We're going to move on. One of my favorite quotes I heard a father say was, don't fight, don't, 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 you know, don't fall, don't, don't fight falling, but fight forward. Fight forward. Keep moving forward. The thing with Jesus is, okay, if I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait moving forward. I'm not, I'm not going to wait and let my mind drift back. I'm going to wait, as, and as I'm waiting, I'm going to let my mind, I'm going to let my heart, I'm going to let it move forward in full faith and in full expectations. Amen. Like I said earlier, the day of Pentecost, it's not about the, it's not about a denomination. It's not about a religion. It's not about traditions. It's not about upbringing. It's not about all that. It's just Jesus making good on, he would never leave you. He would never forsake you. Lindsay, I can't see him. That's okay. He can see you. He can see you. Amen. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, thank you so much.